Hello, Imogen Wells. Hello, Emil Donovan. Hello, Andrew Lloyd Webber, if you're listening. Happy birthday. Did you know that? It's Andrew Lloyd Webber's birthday today. I did know that. Um... Because I, I I told you. So, first of all, you've stolen my fun fact. As we all know, I'm fun fact queen this week. Is that how it works, is it? And you've, I mean, I know we uh, produce some brilliant content here, but is Andrew Lloyd Webber listening? He might be. Speaking of fun facts, I have a fun fact about Andrew Lloyd Webber. Go on. It is that Andrew Lloyd Webber is the unicorn that we have been looking for, a musician who is willing to play at King Charles's coronation. Oh, yeah. good yeah, on com- him. Taking one he's for the team. He's composing a hint for it. How good is that? Oh, so he's not doing a one-man version of Cats? In full costume, yeah. Like James <laughs> uh, kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. Ian Foster, the All Blacks coaches. Well, it's still alive, but long live the razor. Finally, we have some certainty, but what does all this coaching mess mean in the lead up to a World Cup? We're also going to be looking at the factors being weighed up as the government considers whether to let an anti-trans activist into the country. We're taking a deep dive into the weird and wonderful world of 3D printed Baking. And as rumours abound that Vladimir Putin's been sending body doubles out for public appearances, we consider which celebrities we could stand in for if this podcasting thing doesn't work out. <laughs> We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Scott Razor Robertson's finally sealed the deal and got his hands on his not-so-secretly-coveted All Blacks coaching job. There's no denying his track record as the coach of the uh, loathed Crusaders rugby team, uh, from my perspective (laughs) anyway. The team has won every Super Rugby title since he took control there in 2017, ending a nine-year drought and a wonderful nine years it was too. (laughs) So joining us now to unpack what, of course, is the biggest story in this rugby-mad country of ours is rugby writer Jamie Wall. G'day, Jamie. Kia ora, guys. Thanks for having me on. And so what difference do you see Razor having on the All Blacks team? That's a great question because we're, we're not really going to know until they, they start playing. I mean, the Crusaders are one thing. They are an incredibly successful side and they do contain a lot of All Blacks. Uh, but coaching Test Rugby is something completely different and it's something that Razor Robertson hasn't actually done. So that remains to be seen, like how he can adapt to that environment. I, I personally think it, he should be okay. But to be honest, uh, the best change is not just for the All Blacks themselves, but for NZ Rugby as a brand and what uh, his kind of outside-the-box kind of fresh approach. Um, he's not the usual type of All Black coach, really. He's uh, he's a guy who breakdances after they win and goes surfing. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting things from a coaching perspective that he's brought um, to the Crusaders that a lot of other coaches have, around the world have picked up on. And I think for them, it's kind of like a fresh start. Uh, and what the All Blacks mean to New Zealand. Jamie, the way that this has unfolded feels kind of like a bit of a circus to me and like people have been forced to do things that they didn't necessarily want to, to do, even from NZ Rugby's perspective. D- do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I think I think on, on one hand you've got NZ Rugby have kind of painted themselves into the corner on the way that this played out. Uh, and on the other side of the room you've got 
uh, Ian Foster has painted himself into the corner on the way this is this is played out, and mm. so you've just got a room full of paint on the floor, really. And this should have been dealt with last year, uh, in August of last year, after they all had that horrible start uh, to the season, and NZ Rugby had the opportunity to basically make it change that they are making do you think i mean but particularly mindful of ian foster who is still the coach and will be the coach through the upcoming world cup do you think the way that this has played out may have an impact on the team and their chances heading into the world cup i think it's going to be really interesting the way that this plays out because there are definitely a lot of players in that team who are ian foster's guys and uh, you know, have there was a situation last year, last August, after that uh, test win in Johannesburg that essentially saved Foster's career for the time being, uh, where a number of players did uh, stick up for him, um, had an impromptu meeting with New Zealand Rugby CEO Mark Robinson to express their views. So I don't see them having any different sort of views from the ones they expressed uh, back then. Jamie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, guys. So, I mean, Razor's got the job. But the path to get there was uh, not straightforward, it's fair to say. Nah, not at all. And you did eventually have to feel sorry for Ian Foster, right? Because he was he's in the job and he's still got the job now, but you had everyone not wanting him in the job and he, always don't, he already knows who's going to take his job. Oh, it must just be such a weird, weird, weird time. We're expecting a decision today on whether a visa has been granted to controversial UK speaker Posey Parker. To be clear, we're not talking about the American actress Parker Posey. These are very, very different people. Emil, why don't you just quickly tell everyone who she is? Her real name is Kelly J. Keane Minchel. She has become a very vocal opponent, it's fair to say, of trans-inclusive policies, uh, stuff like you know bathroom use and gender identification and so on. Uh, she, however, would object to that term. She, she describes herself as a women's rights campaigner. She's British. And I mean, my understanding of the immigration settings is that if you have a British passport, you can, you can just come to New Zealand without a visa, right? Yeah, so Immigration New Zealand has confirmed she has the right to enter New Zealand because of her British passport, but Immigration New Zealand also says that it's reviewing whether or not she should be allowed visa-free entry into the country in light of events that happened over the weekend. Okay, what happened over the weekend? Well, during Keane Mitchell's visit to Melbourne, there were clashes between pro-trans protesters and supporters of a neo-Nazi group. The right-wing protesters were carrying signs linking the trans community to child abuse. I'm not going to repeat what they said, um, but Keane Mitchell has told media that the neo-Nazis had nothing to do with her uh, and that she abhors Nazism. So this is with Immigration NZ at the moment. It's still making a decision on this. And uh, as we said, we expect that decision to be out later today. Uh, and once that happens, of course, uh, we will have coverage on stuff.co.nz. So if you want more information up to date, uh, just head there and check it out. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, the Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. 
So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read from Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Our tea chat yesterday about the rise of savoury snacks with a cup of tea has has gained quite a bit of traction. Yeah, um, yeah. We were talking about whether the the tradition, the British tradition of a cup of tea and a bicky is in danger of extinction. Yeah, and we we got some feedback from a colleague in our Auckland newsroom, um, Sophia, and Sophia points out that the rise of savoury snacks, particularly samosas, is actually probably a reflection of, of cultural shifts and changing demographics in the UK. You know, um, tea drinkers in the UK increasingly are Asian, and it's much more common to have a savoury snack than a digestive biscuit, I suppose, Um which was, you know, I guess we should have, we kind of should have thought of that. We should have done. We? I shouldn't have let my personal preference of a of a chocolate digestive um, mind, not a plain. Yeah, but that was that was an enlightening observation. So thanks for that, Sophia. Yeah. You know what is good with a cup of tea, though. Tell me. A bit of cake. But what if that cake came from a three D printer? Instead of an oven. Magnificent. Yeah, you hear that right. Uh, and the man behind this is with us now, Jonathan Blutinger from Columbia University. Hello. How does 3D printing baking actually work? So it's similar to putting frosting on a cake. Um, what we do is we have all these ingredients. We put them in a different little food cartridges. And then our machine will pick one up, deposit it onto a platform that we tell it what shape to do. And then we'll hit it with a laser if you want to cook it. And it's pretty as simple as that. Do you need like special ingredients or what do you just like bang some supermarket cake mix, some Aunt Betty's you'd use here in New Zealand into it, press a button and, yeah. and away you go? Yeah, exactly. So we'll go to the grocery store. We'll peruse the aisles until we see something that looks good. Uh, most of the ingredients are already in a paste form, but if they're not, then we'll usually just use a blender or whatever you kind of have in your kitchen <laughs> and we'll make it into a paste to print it. It's pretty simple. Jonathan, talk to us about the final results. Was the cake yummy? Of course. It was the best thing you've ever had. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I said that sarcastically, but I didn't mean that. Um, no, honestly, I get this question a lot, but really it's you get out what you put in. So if you start with really good ingredients, all of our ingredients were store-bought from our local bodega, as you have on every street corner here in New York City. Um, so the quality of those ingredients is what you basically get out. And then what's kind of interesting is you can kind of layer it on a much closer level. So the flavors you get are a little bit different than conventional. So it, w- it was yummy. It was, it was, it was pretty good. I, w- I would have it again. Yeah. Wow. And, and I'm, I'm not a cheesecake guy either. Why did you do this? Cause why not? It's so, <laughs> so cool. Right No, but really kind of the way we see it is, um, whenever software touches an industry, it totally just propels it into different ways we never thought possible. You could see this with, you know, you know, hailing a cab on the street. We thought we needed Uber to have everything come right to our door or even delivering food. So this hasn't really happened for our kitchens yet. At least we see it that way. So we saw this as the first big step in turning software into kitchen and just kind of marrying the two together. Can you imagine practical applications for this that will actually help society at large? You know, if this technology continues to, to develop, like what's your blue sky thinking on this? Yeah, um, I, I think I think a lot of people see this and they say, oh, you know, this is, uh, it's funny, whenever I say food printing, people say, oh, is this going to solve world hunger? And the answer is no, it's, it's really not. Um, I think this is less about solving a problem and more about creating an opportunity. Right. It sounds really cheesy when you say it that way, no pun intended, but <laughs> it, it really is like about creating new ways to think about how we can combine ingredients 
I think I see this first for people with dietary restrictions. If you can take the nutrition approach where it's, you know, tracking your food, tracking your habits, it can learn from you, be like a, a nutritionist and a personal chef all in one or in different markets like in plant-based meats where, um, you know, we're seeing some movement there too, where you can actually replicate structures of real meat with plant-based ingredients. So ChatGBT is going to do my work and then 3D printers are going to make my dinner. That's that, 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 that would be the vision. Yeah, I think that could be a pretty cool world to live in. <laughs> pretty cool world indeed. Jonathan Blutinger from Columbia University, thank you so much for your time. Thank you both. Emma, the world of 3D printing is just so exciting and mysterious to me, right? Like if you had a 3D printer, what would be the first thing that you would print? I'd probably make a, 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 a to scale uh, statue of my dog, Bane. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm laughing because I know that you're serious. <laughs> of course, naturally. Serious things only over here. Imogen's serious wells, as they call <laughs> What about you? I feel so avaricious now because I would probably I would probably do like a diamond or a copy of the oh. Mona Lisa and, and, and sell it or counterfeit currency wow. maybe. Wow, okay. You, know? you should probably stop talking yeah. and producer Jono should probably end this recording. Yeah. <laughs> so Vladimir Putin can't leave Russia now for fear of being arrested, but he has gone to one of the Ukrainian cities his forces have occupied. Or has he? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so this is a great story. Internet sleuths have been picking apart footage of Putin in Mariupol, micro-analyzing his face, and, and you know suggesting that the shape of the purported Putin's chin and, <laughs> and ears are inconsistent with other footage of him recently giving speeches to Parliament. Um, essentially, they're, they're accusing him of sending a body double around the world for propaganda purposes. If you've seen the pictures... There's that one where the person has no chin. Yeah, but look, pictures, I know what you mean in, in terms of like the seeing is believing thing, but mm. there are pictures in which I look handsome. So you can't always <laughs> believe what you see. You're you know? going fishing, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, I am. And you are not biting. <laughs> This, of course, is the first time Putin's been accused of using a body double. And I will be the first to admit I went down a YouTube rabbit hole uh, when people yeah. thought Melania Trump was using um, body doubles. We found this website. Upload a picture of yourself and it will tell you who your celebrity lookalike is. Doesn't look like I'll be employed as a stunt double anytime soon um, because <laughs> the person I got was Sally Field. Beautiful woman. Um, do I look like her? No. I mean, you no. watch what you say of over there, boy. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enter your picture? You never revealed. No, I didn't. I, d I didn't put mine in. Um, but um, the 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 people that I get told that I look like are uh, Chris Martin from Coldplay. I'm pretty. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I would be too. I would take. I would take Chris Martin over Sally Field personally as well. When I had long curly hair, I also got told by someone once that I looked like Richard Simmons, um, the aerobics instructor. Um, please don't look that up. Oh, you know what she's doing, Richard Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> if you think. <laughs> Wait, what was? Oh, have you, did you not know what Richard Simmons looked like? Oh, wow. <laughs> you just put your hands up and jazz hands by the side of your face. Yep, yep, there it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, Richard Simmons. <laughs> if you have a celebrity doppelganger and you want to show us 
Uh, please do send us pictures of yourself next to this person to newsableatstuff.co.nz and we will assess them for you and then send you back a resemblance rating uh, personally. Send us your pics. We'd love to see them. That's Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Emile Donovan. If you enjoyed this episode, please do follow us on your favourite podcast player and leave us a rating and a review. It helps other listeners to discover us and we would just really appreciate it. Even better, if you know someone who'd enjoy the pod, share it with them. Spread the Newsable word and have a great day. Bye. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz support.